All right, Alexander, let's talk about the Peace Summit that will be taking place on, I believe, August 5th and 6th in Jeddah, hosted by Saudi Arabia. This is a peace conference at the behest of uh, Jake Sullivan and the United States. And uh, this is a peace summit uh, focused, of course, on the conflict in Ukraine. Ukraine will be there. The European Union will be there. 30 countries received invites, most of them from the Global South. Mexico has already said that they're not going to be there. And uh, the reason that Mexico gave is that this is uh, a peace summit without uh, one of the, the major stakeholders, one of the major parties involved in this uh, conflict, which is Russia. It's going to be a peace summit focused on uh, Zelensky's peace plan. And uh, the one country that is involved in this conflict, Russia, is not invited. So Mexico is like, well, we don't see any, any reason to attend this, this peace plan, if you want to call it that, if Russia's not going to be there. But, but it's an interesting development, and it follows up on the Copenhagen uh, roundtable, I guess you could call it, where Jake Sullivan and Victoria Newman invited uh, a bunch of countries, Brazil, I believe India, I believe China was invited as well, and they wanted to talk about Ukraine, and now we have this peace summit with a lot of countries from the global south being invited to Saudi Arabia. A lot of people are asking, why is Saudi Arabia agreeing to hold such a thing? Because Saudi Arabia has taken a very neutral position in the conflict in Ukraine. And, uh, and what are the goals and aims of this peace summit? It's obviously not about peace, <laughs> that's for sure. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. But obviously there's, there's a reason that uh, Jake Sullivan has cooked this, this thing up. So I, I was watching your, your, your video yesterday and you came up with one theory, which I think is a very good theory, which is perhaps Saudi Arabia is going to leverage this, this peace summit to, to address Ukraine and basically tell Ukraine to stop you know, stop before it's too late, kind of uh, talking to, to Ukraine. So maybe they'll use that, use this as an opportunity. Uh, I think another reason could be because Saudi, why did Saudi Arabia agree to this? Is because Saudi Arabia is probably under a lot of pressure. And this is an easy thing for them to do. And it doesn't cost them anything, really. They could just kind of say, okay, Sullivan, U.S., we had your peace summit. Now leave us alone for another few months and just let us continue to do business. So, I mean, what, what, what no, are your I, th I, think, I think in terms of the Saudis, what the Saudis are up to, you're absolutely right. I, I think, I think, and I still maintain my own view, which is that the Saudis are going to use this summit to try to impress on the Ukrainians and perhaps to some extent on the US that the Ukrainian position is unsustainable. What is called a peace plan by Zelensky is not a peace plan peace plan at all. It is a demand for Russia's unconditional surrender. It is a demand that the Russians withdraw completely from all of Ukraine, including Crimea, and then Ukraine would be prepared to negotiate, but negotiate about what? Because, of course, Ukraine would then have won, and the Ukrainians have already said that NATO membership for them remains their goal and will continue to remain their goal anyway. So what, what would the purpose of a negotiation be. It's not a peace plan. Nobody really, I think, considers it to be a peace plan. It's something that the United States and Zelensky came up with together 
so that they can pretend to people in the global south that it is a peace plan, that they have a peace plan, and that it's the Russians who are refusing negotiations. And I think what's going to happen is that the Saudis will come along, not just the Saudis, but the, uh, the uh, Indians, if they turn up, it's not certain they will, by the way, and the Brazilians, if they turn up. It's likely China won't turn up. Apparently, they refuse to participate in the Copenhagen meeting, and they're unlikely, perhaps, to come to this one. Anyway, both countries will say to the Americans and to the Ukrainians, well, this really isn't sustainable. It's not... It's not it's not the way forward. You need to come up with something that looks at the realities of the situation. You're not going to win diplomatically um, a war that you're losing militarily. It doesn't work like that. So I think that is partly what the Saudis are going to do. But I think the Saudis also, as you absolutely rightly say, they've, they've taken a lot of big steps recently, which haven't pleased the United States. They've cut oil production. They've uh, come to a rapprochement with the um, Iranians. They've accepted Chinese mediation. They're taking steps to join the BRICS. So... Given that they've taken all of those steps now, and by the way, they've also said that they're not going to establish diplomatic relations with Israel. Given that they've taken all of those steps, I think the Saudis felt that, well, Jake Sullivan wants his summit. We might as well give it to him. It will take a little of the heat off us. And uh, you know, we can tell the Americans and the Ukrainians a few wise words. Whether they'll listen to what we say is another matter. But... Ultimately, it takes the heat off us a little. So I, I think that's really the Saudi intention here. A more interesting question is what Sullivan is trying to achieve by all of this. And I, I'm going to say that because I, he is, to be very clear, he's clearly the originator of this whole process. And I, I think what is happening is that he's got an election to fight next year. He knows that this war is going to be a very difficult sell in the US, um, especially if Brighton is still standing. Uh, he's also increasingly, I think, concerned, must be concerned, that the military situation isn't going well and that there's real possibilities of a military collapse. And he doesn't want a military collapse in Ukraine um, on the eve of the election. So he's trying to find some mechanism of getting the Russians to pull back. And he's not succeeded with his great offensive. And there's now growing claims that the offensive, the spring-summer offensive, was very, very much something that he insisted on. He wanted to deal a knockout blow on the Russians before the election took place. So that hasn't worked. So now he's trying a diplomatic strategy. And his strategy is that he's going to get all of these countries together, Brazil, India, Saudi Arabia, and all the others, and get them to agree to isolate Russia. That, that's what his latest plan is. And that, that will put pressure on the Russians, and it will cause the Russians to pull back. Now, it's, a, it's, it's not going to work. I mean, some of them might turn up. We've already seen the Mexicans don't really see the sense of this. 
Unlikely the Brazilians will, unlikely the Indians will. But ultimately, it's not going to change Russian policy. Why would the Russians change their policy? There's no way that countries like India and the others are going to cut off Russia economically. On the contrary, they're forging deeper links with Russia. In India, there is now very high food inflation. The Indians need the Russians. So they need the Russians to contain that food inflation and to keep energy costs in India low. So what Sullivan is trying to do cannot work, but it might result in some people taking in at this meeting in Jeddah, taking him to one side and telling him, look, Jake, it isn't working. You've got to go back, talk to your boss, start a real negotiation, because the negotiation you're talking about is just absurd. Yeah, that's probably what they're going to tell him. But, uh, you know, the problem with with this plan and with all of Jake Sullivan's uh, diplomatic efforts is that he's not a diplomat. No. He's not a foreign policy guy. He's not a diplomat. Uh, we've been saying it on this channel for a while now. He's a campaign manager. That's what he yes. does. And you're trying to get a campaign guy, a guy who's part of the U.S. party system, like the Democrat party system, you're trying to get him to, to conduct very complex, very complicated geopolitical uh, diplomacy, foreign policy diplomacy. And it's just not going to work. He's, he's way out of his depth. And uh, these plans that he's coming up with, are, are they're not going to gain any uh, traction. We, we saw a lot of articles last week from the mainstream media in, in the United States talking about how the, the, uh, the reboot of the counteroffensive, this, this rebooted counteroffensive that started uh, a few days ago, one week ago actually to be more precise, was going to work hand in hand with a rebooted diplomatic push to try and get the, the countries of the global south and the neutral countries to, uh, to put pressure on Russia and to, uh, and to side with the collective West and sanction Russia. This was, this was the big master plan in order to deliver victory to, to Ukraine and to the collective West. The, the, the counteroffensive push, the reboot counteroffensive push is not working. And I, I suspect that this diplomatic reboot is, is also not going to gain much traction. Of course not, because, of course, the point about the reboot <laughs> is that the two, at least in Sullivan's mind, went together. I mean, I, it, it, probably in his imagination, the Ukrainians would have broken through, <laughs> reached Melitopol or wherever, and he would have been able to turn up in Jeddah and would have said to the Global South leaders, look, the Russians are losing this war. You go and often tell them that they've got to accept that fact and agree to Zelensky's demands. I mean, that's probably how he conceived it initially. But of course, it's not worked like that because his great master plan, which is the offensive, has miscarried. They're bogged down, as I said, uh, I said in another video, fighting over villages, <laughs> which they're not even able to capture. They're not able to make any progress. And why, why, given that reality, would other countries be prepared to carry water for him diplomatically? I mean, it just doesn't make any kind of sense. There's no conceivable sense that the Saudis, the Indians, the Brazilians, those people are going to turn up in Moscow and tell Putin, well, you're winning the war militarily, but this is the moment when you've got to surrender <laughs> because the diplomacy uh, requires it. I mean, it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, 
to wrap up the video, uh, what do you think about the fact that the collective West diplomacy and the collective West foreign policy, and, and let's talk about the U.S., has uh, has failed so spectacularly in this in this conflict? What, what do you make of that? Because I, I think one narrative that, or two narratives that a lot of people focus on, and we focus on a lot, is the military conflict. And then you have the economic conflict. But you also have the foreign policy conflict. And, and not many uh, channels and not many analysts pay, pay attention to the foreign policy aspect of this, of this uh, conflict between Russia and the collective West, or even the, the, the multipolar world and, and say, the, the, the collective West, the unipolar world. But I think the foreign policy uh, struggles and, 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 and conflict, confrontations, has played a major role in uh, where we are today. And it seems like, like the United States and, and Europe, of course, you people like Baerbach and, and Joseph Burrell, uh, they're, they're completely outmatched yes. and outclassed by not only the Russian uh, diplomats, but dip, most of the, the diplomatic teams in, uh, in, in, in the global south and the rest of the world. Uh, I think this is something that's, that, once again, with this Sullivan effort is, is coming to light, that they don't really understand how to conduct uh, foreign policy and diplomacy on, uh, on such a big scale. This is exactly correct. I mean, they're amateurs. I mean, they're amateurs versus professionals. They're, the other side has diplomats, and what the U.S. has is a mix of uh, political fixers, <laughs> domestic political fixers, which is what Sullivan ultimately is, and ideologues. They're not, they're not people who understand or do diplomacy at all. I mean, they think of diplomacy as some kind of a board game or something of that kind. They, they, don't, they don't really understand how it works. I mean, they're comprehensively outmatched, not just by the Russians, as you rightly said, but by the Iranians, the Saudis, the Indians, who have a superb diplomatic uh, cadre, uh, the Chinese, at almost every conceivable level. And... Because diplomacy isn't what these people do, and it's getting worse because what what they do is they think that diplomacy is basically about shouting harder, uh, louder. You know, if you outshout the other, the other side, if you lecture them long enough, if you put pressure on them, if you engage in coercion, that will somehow result in you getting your way and of course you always come up with at the same time these cunning strategies you know great offenses great offensives which will lead to breakthroughs which you then can match up with diplomatic pushes in places like Copenhagen and Jeddah and that will enable you to achieve your outcome a true diplomat understands one thing, that diplomacy is not a zero-sum game. It's not about winning. It's about reaching agreements. It's about coming to a mutually acceptable solution with the other side. The Saudis, the Indians, the Iranians, the Chinese, the Russians all think that way. The current administration doesn't. Donald Trump talk about doing deals. These people don't believe in doing deals. They believe in dictating the outcome. And they see everything in terms of 
winning and losing. And that's not how diplomacy works. All right, we will end it there. The Duran.local.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, and Rockfit. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.